Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Matt Thielman. He is a coach who works with leaders and change makers to help them live into their purpose more fully and bring their masterpiece to the world. He educates and trains coaches to be world-class in their field and help their clients reach their full potential. And boy, does he have a lot of great information. And what I like about him is he also is incorporating lots of spiritual stuff, kind of some yin and yang energies. He's also talking about meditation and philosophy, poetry. It's fun. And he talks about games and because life is much a game that we play with ourselves and how we interact with the world, he's talking about playing games to help us to look at our visions and, and move forward. And I'm not talking about games that are malicious, games that can move you forward. So cool stuff. Now here's another thing that I really want you to think about when you're, you're listening to this podcast. I do believe that if we all had some coaching skills, we could help society as a whole. We could lift people up. We could guide people on an everyday basis, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the corporate workspace, the healthcare system. We need more folks loving on each other and helping each other. And I know this sounds kind of cheesy, but the truth is, is coaching, I think is, if we all learned a little bit about coaching, I think we could make this a better place. And there you have it. So, Let's introduce you to Matt Thielman, and we're going to talk all about coaching and leadership. Hey, health junkies. Welcome to another episode of The Health Fix. I have Matt Thielman on today, and we're going to be talking about something I have not talked about at all on the podcast. It's coaching and how coaching can really be a game changer for you in many different ways in your life. And what drew me to Matt is I listened to his TED talk and he was talking about getting into the whole coaching thing. And he's like, yeah, I want to make certain things part of my coaching and I don't even do them myself. And so it's, it's, we're all a work in progress and I want everybody to know that. So Matt, welcome to the health fix podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's really good to be here. So of course I always ask people when I start out, you know, what was the download you got from the universe that was like, yes, I need to be a coach even before, you know, meditation happened. What what was happening for you? What was going on in life and, and kind of what was unfolding for you? Coaching is definitely an accident and um, <laughs> a result of me sort of taking steps from this, as you say, like download. Um, I've, I'll speak from very young. I was one of those, um, little kids who was sort of wise beyond his years, although I didn't really know it, but I would say weird things, uh, that, you know, my parents are like, how do you, why are you thinking about that? How do you know about that thing? Um, the way that I describe it now is I'm a student of the human experience. I just like always been really interested in like, what, what is it to be alive? Like, what does this mean? What are we all doing here? And to be really curious about that. Um, the way that I got into coaching, that moment that you're talking about in my TED talk is that I was a marketer out of college, again, really being curious about why we do what we do and using some of those skills um, in support of my work as a way to make money. And one day I read a report from Jay Walter Thompson on, they have a hundred trends of the year of like, this is what's going to happen over the next the next year and beyond. And I read about digital detox vacations and I read about people doing drop-in meditation. 
And this came in a moment when I was uh, in very many ways fed up with how how the corporate world is working and seeing that there are toxic environments everywhere. Working at an ad agency or marketing agency, I I received the brunt of that with uh, unhappy clients because their bosses were jerks, because their bosses' bosses were jerks, et cetera. And so I, I was always already thinking about like, how do we start to change leadership? And so I thought, oh, I'm going to bring mindfulness into corporations as a way to change leadership. As you pointed out, I had never meditated. So I had to go <laughs> in um, very early on and figure out what the heck is this thing that that I I believe will help us, but why I really had no firsthand experience about you know what that what that change would be. Oh my gosh. Well, you're not alone because like as I said, I I've kind of fell into coaching because I wanted to be able to move back home and take care of my dad and kind of be closer to family, but my practice was in Washington and my family's in Wisconsin. How do I do this? And I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to be a health coach. I'm going to coach people with their health and I kind of always had that same kind of thing like like you're mentioning, you know, a little bit of like I know there's better that we can get better results with health. And so yeah, I had this kind of concept of like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to coach people. And then I was like, oh my god, I have no idea what I'm doing. None. Yeah. Yeah, same. I I so so the story of that even is I was speaking on mindfulness and I started to have some success. I created the the framework that became my TEDx talk. And then after an event, someone said, Hey, can you coach me? I think I had put it on my website because I thought it sounded cool. Yeah, I'll do I'll do mindfulness coaching. But I'm I'm not I literally Googled how do I onboard a coaching client and what do I do on my first coaching conversation? Because I had no idea. And there was some voice that's like, there was some clarity and knowing inside that said, you know, you can do this. Like there, there's a reason you have some wisdom and what that allowed for me saying yes. In that moment allowed me to really get curious again, get, get into this place of learning of like, what is masterful coaching? What is really excellent coaching? What does it mean to be a coach? Um, what's my responsibility in the world? And how do I can, how do I be the person that my clients really need in support of them. And so that yes, without knowing, I'm sure similar to your, yours had me like sort of take the leap into figuring out along the way what I really needed to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the reason I wanted folks to hear this is because you may be called, you might be listening to this, you may be called to coach folks. And I think it's absolutely fascinating to dive into coaching and what it means, because I think it's this place where, and and like you mentioned before, it's, it's where we can kind of help. And my big MO is big help heal society as, as a whole, because in your talk, you were mentioning how horrible, and even now you're like, my bot, the boss was a jerk, you know, of how, why people would come to you because I've been in the corporate world. I hated it. And corporate medicine even worse, the egos and, and the, the, ah, oh, it's terrible. And so, yeah, you know, I'm sure you've, you've encountered it in so many different ways because you have quite extensive experience with the corporate world that I, I saw in there in your background. Yeah. Well, so I worked about eight years, um, both at a university and then in, in the corporate world for a fortune 500 company and then for a small company. Um, and speaking of corporate healthcare, my fiance is a physician's assistant. She works out a hospital system. My mom worked in healthcare my entire life. So I really get it. Like I, I've <laughs> seen this and felt it from a young age. And so I know exactly what you're speaking to. And and we we joke, but it's it's not really funny. It's like sad funny of like mm-hmm. um that healthcare environments are actually the some of the most unhealthy or least healthy. And they're for people who are trying to create health in the world. And so um, similar to you, my I have a vision in which everyone has the skills and being of a coach, and 
I believe that would, that would heal the world in the way that you're, you're describing. Yeah. You know, I just look at the coaching concept as, you know, a lot of people think, you know, they, they have to be called to be like, and, and I was saying earlier, even like they have to be called to like health coach for like a business, but like, really what about someone that just needs some help? Just, and, and I think we think of it counseling, coaching, you know, I, I think they're kind of the same thing. How do you feel about the the concept between counseling coaching? I mean, besides men, mental health diagnosis, just in general, like on an everyday basis. Yeah. So I, I love that you mentioned mental health diagnoses because as a coach, we are not trained to do that. So if there's anything um, around that, then we definitely recommend seeing a healthcare professional. Uh, similarly to anything sort of like suicidal thoughts, right? At that point, if it feels like someone might be a danger, if there's uh, um, alcohol or drug abuse, right? Those are all for trained professionals in, in that capacity. Um, and yes, they're very similar in many ways. Some some folks describe, this is sort of an imperfect des- description, but it's, it's generally, I, I think, helpful is that therapy is often uh, a way to like look at the past so that we can get uh, we can sort of heal so that we're, we're okay where we are so we can move forward. And it's, it's generally can be like backward focused and where generally <laughs> coaching is more forward focused, which is I want to get to a different place and there's stuff in my way right now that likely I'm putting in my way. And I want to move that out of the way. Very often in coaching, we have to look backward because a lot of the thoughts, beliefs, habits, patterns we have now came from very young, but generally the directional focus is, is forward. Um, and and another thing that I think is really helpful to frame up as we talk about coaching, and and this is simply my perspective. This isn't have to be true. But I have a perspective. So a lot of folks say, "Oh, I have a lot of business experience. I, I work with a lot of startup founders and folks in the startup world." And they say, "Oh, I had a successful startup. I want to be a coach." Or people will say, "All of my friends come to me for advice. I should be a coach." And generally, I, I provide a word of caution in saying, "I don't think coaching is giving answers." Uh, I think coaching is having a way of being that's curious, that's open, that allows people to be safe and feel empowered to create their own answers. And so, yes, sometimes it's helpful to provide our own perspective and always do that from the place of our client is actually the one who needs to be empowered here. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great distinction. And I think you outlined it even better than what I was trying to go for. I think it's like, you know, anyone can help someone else out. You know, we we're talking about leadership coaching too, you know, in, in this case, how, how do we translate coach leader and, and everyone that I found that let's, let's take my previous workplaces, like the health field and being in corporate healthcare. It's almost like at certain times we all just need somebody to like coach us through the day and just be like, look, you got this, some encouragement. And, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what, what I think is amazing about everyone possibly could use some training in coaching and leadership, but really taking it, like you said, like not just because you were successful at creating a certain business, does that make you a great coach? No, maybe it's more about looking into two things in in general. So let's talk a little more detail about the coach versus the leader or the coach as the leader in terms of that concept. And I'll let you kind of expand upon that. Yeah, I, I think they're increasingly the same. They probably mm-hmm. have been the same, but increasingly, I think leadership, uh, coaching is a requirement for successful leadership. Mm-hmm. And in, in both coaching and leadership, what we're doing is we're saying, um, I'm here right now. Uh, I want to get over to somewhere else. And there's some stuff we need to do along the way. So as a coach, my client is creating those uh, their future location. 
And Mm -hmm. so they're describing, this is where I want to get to. This is what I want in life. We're together. We are distinguishing their current location. And then with my support as a coach, we're helping to figure out what are the steps along the way? Sometimes with my input, sometimes on their own as an experiment. As a leader, the three steps are the same, except that generally I'm the, if I'm a CEO, I'm the one providing the vision. I'm the one saying, this is where we're going as a team. And then again, what we do is we distinguish as a team, this is where we are right now. And ideally, if I'm doing leadership successfully, uh, I have folks I trust who in their various ex- levels of expertise will provide the directions along the way, right? So the marketing team will have this sort of place where they're going. The finance team will have this place. The product team will have this place, et cetera. And my job as a leader is to support other people stepping into their own leadership, which is helping them again to get clear on where they're going, where they are, and what's in the way. Uh, rather than me, we, we have this idea historically of leadership um, that is, I'm going to be the one who has all the ideas. I need to be smart. I need to have all the answers. But uh, the unfortunate result is that it produces then a team that's unable to create their own answers. And so I, I'm a, a huge proponent of thinking about leadership as coaching. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Yeah, because I think misconceptions about I, I've I look back at you know all my different jobs and all the different leadership training and things that I've taken over the years and and yeah it always ends up being like there's the leader and everyone else has to just follow the leader and and that's why I like the idea of leader coach concept versus just straight leader it makes so much more sense and I think it helps everyone else to to reach the goal better like you had said for sure and, and I totally get why someone would say well why we have the perspective that I as a leader need to have all the answers, right? It's mm-hmm. It can be challenging to enroll people into their own power, to give them the tools that they need to succeed and make decisions. It's going to be messy because if people are learning something they haven't ever done, they're going to make mistakes. Like There are all sorts of reasons that it makes sense for someone to, to have this sort of authoritarian leadership style. And I think it just doesn't produce the results that many of us want, right? And so so yeah. it's challenging for us as a leader to to do the hard thing uh, to help other people be leaders. I agree. I agree. I agree. So in your notes that you sent over to me, there's something about the value of games and uh-huh. incorporating games into coaching. I would love to hear about this because this is something that I was like, huh, how how do we incorporate games? This is fun. I want to try this in my own group. <laughs> what, cool. what are we doing here? <laughs> so tell us Yeah, more. please please do. And then tell me how it goes. Um, so I have a perspective that we as humans naturally play games all the time. And mm-hmm. the descriptions of a game is, um, is one, we don't know if we're going to win. So there's some sort of challenge that we put out in front of us. And we're saying, well, I, this might not work. I, I don't know if I'm going to win. And we actually generally like that. So we're always playing games with ourselves. So something like I want to make more money this year or something as simple as like, what is dinner going to be like? I have a particular idea of how I want it to go. It might not work. And then I also, what we do is we also create rules around that. Oh, I need to show up in a particular way. I can only do this. I can only do that. This is the right way to play this game or to do, you know, to cook dinner, right? It has to take this long. So we're we're always, I would say, unconsciously um, creating these sort of mini games in life. And so what I do as a coach and, and, and as a human in my own life is I say, oh, if I'm always already playing these games and I don't know what they are, then let's just bring some consciousness to them. Let's just say like, what assumptions do I have about the rules that are in play? What, what, how do I think things need to go in order for me to be successful? 
Um, what timeline am I playing on if I don't really know? So I just launched a book last week. And for example, one of my goals was to get uh, 500 sales in the first month. I had an, a sort of implicit goal of that within the first week, because I knew that the, that launch week would be kind of the biggest, the biggest hit. Right. And so I told my fiance, I said, you know, I want to, I want 500 in the first week. And she was like, wait, I thought you said the first month. And so <laughs> even in that moment, we established, like we both had different ideas of what winning was. And so, um, I believe that if we can just embrace that we're playing games and then create clarity about like, this is actually the thing I'm playing for. We can get honest about how we want to move forward and trying to win it. Okay. So I'm thinking about different games. Those are related, of course, to to my kind of the health field kind of thing. Cool. Sometimes when we think about dinner, dinner should take 20 minutes. Like, how can I make a dinner in 20 minutes or less, right? With five ingredients or less. Like those are yeah. the rules, right? So how do how do how would you play this out in terms of say you were coaching someone? How would you play that out? How would that look? How would you frame it for someone? What's it look like? Totally. So let's just say that that is, that's your frame. Mm -hmm. You, you, you want to make dinner 20 minutes, five ingredients or less the place that I would look. Cause that's a, when I think about uh, our goals in life, there are three aspects. One is what's the tangible outcome. So you just describe mm -hmm. that 20 minutes, five ingredients. The second is what's the experience of that I want to have. So by default, I have found that many of us, myself included, have a general experience of things that is pretty disempowered, which is like, mm -hmm. this is annoying that I have to make dinner in 20 minutes or less. I don't really want to do it. Uh, I'm doing it because I have to. And so as a coach, I get curious and say like, what's the actual experience that you want to have? Do you, you if you want, this game can be fun. You can mm -hmm. have fun. It can be playful. You can use it as an experiment. You can tell yourself that you win no matter what, like you literally get to describe your experience. And so that's a place I would look. And then the third around a game that I think is really important or around any goal is what's it for? So, so this is, if, you know, as coaches were learned to at, we are taught to ask the five whys, like why, 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 and a what for is like, okay, so what meaning does this have in my life? Why do I even care about making dinner? Why do I care about it being in 20 minutes? What, what values is this attached to blah, 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 blah. And I believe that when we have a clear, what for we can make things a lot more fun. We can get back into empowerment, right? When I say, oh, this is about living a clean and healthy lifestyle. This is about providing nourishment for my family. This is about trying something new, cooking new ingredients that I've never used before. If we can choose that and actually, again, like bring it to light so much changes in life and it's so much more enjoyable. I I like that. I like that. You know, it is something that we probably should, I should have probably talked about in the beginning, but the five whys, you know, the concept of why do we need a coach is, is a huge concept in and of itself. And, and I think we, we don't know how to ask ourselves the right questions often. And, and I think that's where a great coach comes in. So let's, let's talk about those five whys a little bit. And of course, I'm guessing you have that in your book, by the way, guys, this book's called, this is coaching. And we'll get to that. Um, I'm guessing you have these in there as some preferences to something. So give us a scoop on the five whys so that folks can just get a little sense of that. Yeah. I usually don't have the five whys in nope. the book, but if you <laughs> Google it, it's, it's okay. So I'm happy to talk about it. So we're, we're taught that as a skill, as a coach to get really curious, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And the five whys are, are a simple tool to allow us to get really curious about our client's experience. And so the five whys is when you ask some, yourself why you're, you want to do something, you ask four more times. So you ask five times total. Why is this important? Why am I doing this, et cetera? And the idea is that the first time we answer, we, it's a very simple uh, surface level answer. And if we invite ourselves every, every time we invite ourselves, we get a little bit deeper into the core truth. And by the time we arrive at the fifth, we see something really fundamental to what's important to us in life. And mm-hmm. to me, that just that just is an example of the curiosity and sort of depth and intention we can bring to to life and coaching. I like that because I think most of us, I mean, it's been said a million times, like we have we can't see our own blind spots. And by becoming extremely curious, I say it all the time with my Instagram, with probably the podcast, everyone's probably annoyed with me saying, be really curious about your health, um, be really curious about yourself. And and it's it's something that we can't see, you know, and I'm sure you've seen it in a lot of clients too, that they come in, they don't see the blind spots and working with them with either games, with either wise, with other types of frameworks, it can help. Now, I, I'd love to hear some of your other frameworks in which you work with people to help them to really connect to their goals, to to achieve, you know, you've, you have a mention about impossible goals, things of that nature. Tell, tell us about some of the other things that you use, like conscious ranting. I would love to know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that That's generally how I, how I type. So uh, when I write <laughs> things, it's me consciously ranting about life. Um, and, and, uh, it's one of the ways. So I, I now have a practice on social media. I just share it. However many bullet points come out of me that day that said, today I'm thinking about, and I just talk about whatever is, is up. And today was about 11 bullet points about how the movie fantastic fungi completely <laughs> inverted my idea of what special hierarchies in our relationship to the world is. So that's my version of constant, uh, of conscious ranting. Um, but, but some of the other frameworks, I, I love this. Uh, you mentioned like impossible goals. Um, what I really love to do as a coach is to support people in having the courage to look at what's really true for them. And I say that that requires courage because, um, it's often scary. Even answering the five whys is is a pretty, can be a pretty scary thing because when we start to look under the surface, um, and it's something we haven't looked at yet, we don't know what we're going to find. And that that takes a tremendous amount of courage to say, oh, I'm going to be willing enough to look in here and to know I I don't know what the answer is, and um, and so that's something that I that I you know hold very tenderly as a coach and supporting people in creating an impossible goal. I I have a belief that we all have some sort of um, how do I describe this? For me, it's sort of a pain in my chest that says there's a thing that you need to create in the world, Matt, that you haven't yet. For not, it's not a pain for everyone, but but for all of us, I believe we came here for a reason to create something, and it's probably really scary to speak because we have a whole lot of stories about it. And so, I love as a coach supporting people into even speaking and and laying claim to the thing that they think they're here to make. Hmm. Hmm. I can I can see that. I I mean I don't know for how long when I first hired a coach to coach me with business. I would get asked the questions, why, why? And I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know. And then there's the, I don't know. I'm sure you get that a lot of folks being like, I I can, I don't even know where to begin with speaking my truth. Totally. And I, and I, that's actually my favorite place to start because it means that we're, we're somewhere new. So a lot of people, uh, it's a, it's an easy tendency to think, oh, I don't know is actually a closed door. 
right? Like, uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. So I, I can't, I can't answer. And I think it's actually an opening of a door. I don't know means, oh, that's a new place to be discovered. And so I really celebrate when my clients are in the place of, I don't know, even if the question is, what do you want? And they say, I don't know. All we've done is establish that we want to help them figure out what they want. And so that's amazing. Um, and again, requires courage because well, what if we say something we don't want? What if we're, what if we're not right? What if I say it and I have to, and I want to take it back? What if blah, 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 blah. There's all kinds of what ifs we have. And so even being willing to speak to something that feels a bit scary, I think is a tremendous act of courage. Well, I think it ties into that impossible goal thing, because for me, I've had these, you know, ideas of like, I want to do this. And then my brain, of course, will interject and be like, how are you going to be able to do that? Like, really, girl, come on. How are you going to do that? So I think, you know, launching beyond the like, okay, I don't know. Then, then it's like, all right, how do you move someone from, I don't know, to like pulling out that goal that they want or the impossible goal what what does the process look like in in that department the first thing is to allow it to be okay that they don't want mm-hmm. right so i i call i say we have hooks and a hook is whenever life and the present moment is not how we want it to be we think it should be different we're hooked into how we think things should be and the way to let go of that hook is to acknowledge oh i have a story that says i should know Or I have a story that says that I should already believe that my impossible goal is possible. (laughs) Right. And when we, when we stop and look at those, you know, objectively, we're like, that's silly that we think that it should be different. But in the moment we, we absolutely believe that it, you know, it should be different. So the first step is saying, okay, well, there's, there's nothing to do here. Okay. It's okay that you don't know. It's okay that you don't believe your impossible goal. And then from there, I believe it's it's really important to then get curious. What's it like for you to not know? What is it? What's the feeling in your body? What are the stories you have about it? Because I'm guessing there are other places in your life where you don't know. And your habit right now is to freeze, is to say, I don't know, and I'm going to and to stop. And then once we have an idea of what it's like for you to not know, do you want something different? Do you want to be the type of person who can say what you want? And then what would what would be required of you to do that? And so if we can slow down and really just just let it be okay for a second, I find that the next thing generally emerges. Nice. Nice. And then the process goes from there. Now, of course, you have some interesting things that you incorporate in as well with I see yin and yang energies. So we've got a little bit of Chinese medicine here. We've got a little spiritual yeah. practice. And of course, we talked about meditation at the beginning. Because a lot of people I think when they when they think of a coach, and if we take it to like business coaching, for example, or health coaching, we think it's like all about like the said outcome that we want. We want to start a business and we want to achieve whatever income, or we want to lose weight, or we want to get our hormones balanced. But sometimes we have to use a little bit other things in the mix. So tell us a little bit about how how did you come to some of the yin and yang energies and, and spiritual practice? How did that come about in the mix of coaching for you? The The spiritual practice part came as I've been more expressed and more uh, willing to share my full self with the world, I naturally am doing a lot deeper spiritual work. It, it's already who I am. And so, yeah, my early coaching was was very sort of problem solving, uh, like move from one place to the mm-hmm. other. And as I've been able to open and express more of me, uh, the spiritual side naturally comes out. And then folks who are interested in those types of conversations are more likely to 
come and work with me, right? Because I'm, I'm sort of magnetically attracting that and I'm opening those dialogues. Um, the yin and yang work, I was first, I was first introduced to the idea of masculine feminine polarity work through, mm-hmm. uh, sexual yoga so through tantric yoga work with my teacher, John Wineland, who studied with David Data. And uh, it was a lot of embodiment-based masculine feminine polarity work. And um, what I started to see was those energy dynamics. If I started to use that frame, they exist everywhere in life. And so the sacred masculine in that sense, which is the the yang energy, as we think about the Tao, is, uh, is often moving forward, penetrative, but also open and spacious consciousness, sort of pure consciousness. Um, and that that is sort of expressed in physical form and human form of like moving toward goals, right? Get a mm-hmm. clear goal and move toward the thing. And yin energy uh, or the sacred feminine is often wide open, expressive love. It is music. It is joy. It is all of our feelings. It is dance and flow. And um I have found that as I've looked at my own life and looked at others, we often think that as we're moving toward our goals or the life we want, we have to work with one or the other. And so people, you know, in Western society today, it's very, uh, very young focus, very masculine focus, set KPIs, dot, 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 hit Mm -hmm. numbers, blah, 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 completely ignore the feelings, right? Like move toward the thing at all costs. And um, many people burn out from that. And then they're like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to set any goals. I'm just going to allow life to move through me. Uh, I'll get what I need from the universe. I'm going to live in abundance. And I, I find that that also uh, it feels really good for the most mm-hmm. part. It And it doesn't always give us our fullest expression, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is a part of us, as I said, that I believe is wants to create something and it has tremendous clarity on it. And if we slow down and listen to it, we can see the steps that are, that it needs to be taken. And again, that's, that's young energy. And so, um, Increasingly, and this is why I create use this framework of uh, goals, the tangible goals, which is very masculine, and the experience, which is very feminine. Incorporating both of those, I think we can have a sort of a holistic idea of this is how I want my life to be. I like that. I like that because I I have tried different coaching programs that are very KPI, very numbers based, and. I like lost my mind because I'm like, (laughs) I'm not hitting my goals. I don't know why I've done all the things you told me to do in the list, you know? And then of course I discovered folks like Abraham Hicks and all of the law of attraction folks and went, Oh, I wasn't really attracting the right thing. And I'm guessing some folks listening might also be familiar with that. Did you find that in your experience too? Like when you were very like problem focused, you were like, man, something's missing. I'm something's not here. Yeah. And and not just in the past, like always, I I think one of the reasons that I actually think it's really powerful to set clear goals is that it forces us to confront the identity issues we've attached to them. Right. And so Mm -hmm. as a human who's here for growth, I want to be, to be up to that challenge. You know, again, I just launched a book and I was uh, in what I call the tunnel for the last month, which was very focused on the numbers (laughs) completely ignoring my experience many hours of many days. Right. And, and for me, it isn't about saying, Oh, that that's bad. Let's do the other thing. It's saying, Oh, I'm catching myself doing that thing again. How do I want this to be? Do I want, am I willing? Am I courageous enough now? Can I step back and open to the fullness of life? Am I, am I going to allow this to be fun and easeful? 
instead of being something, you know, like having tremendous significant meaning about my worth as a human, right? Am I allow yeah. am I gonna allow myself to change that? Oh my gosh. That worthiness thing, that is such a factor for people. Oh, I'm sure you find it very common. It's probably one of the pitfalls that happen with coaches and leaders is that oh, mind and worthiness. Totally. And uh, not only for my my clients, you know, uh, uh, again, if we're up to making big change in the world, we have to believe something about ourselves. And so naturally it's going to challenge our worthiness. And even for myself. So um, the one of the coaching groups I'm in, we have regular practice coaching sessions where we coach each other and get, get feedback. And just before this interview, I was in one of those and it was the first time I hopped on since my book came out. And so I showed up with this, like, <laughs> am I going to have to be perfect coach? Are people going to mm-hmm. look at me differently? Is, you know, like I, I had all of these expectations that I just showed up with and, and increasingly, thankfully I'm able to see them, but they're just part of being human. I think. Yeah. That's true. That's interesting to be able to see the expectations, to see what you set yourself up for. How how do you coach people to to be able to see these things? How how do we work with it on on a coaching basis to be like, hey, you're really setting yourself up for certain expectations that maybe you want to think about? Yeah, totally. Well, I think first of all, I acknowledge that leadership is it's it can be a really lonely game. So if I'm CEO and I have even five or 500 people working with me, for me, underneath me, um, I I have a certain level of responsibility and that creates a loneliness. There are things that I cannot share with a certain number of people who I see on a regular basis. So first acknowledging that like the role comes with expectations because we're in a relational society. That's just how it works. And, mm-hmm. and so again, like being hooked, I think the more that we can acknowledge this is simply part of the game that we're playing, we can then do something with it when we we don't make it wrong for showing up. When it shows up, we say, oh, you're here again. Now, what do I want to do with you? Rather than the, the natural tendency is, oh, that's bad, go away, uh, which doesn't actually do very much good in my experience. Right, right. Oh, the pushing off of the emotions. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we get symptoms of health stuff imbalances. So, you know, you mentioned you mentioned just a minute ago in terms of someone trying to think of their expectations in a leadership role. One of the things that I see a lot of folks struggle with is when they get new positions at work and they go from being say part of the the lower cohort to a manager mm-hmm. or a higher level supervisor. And now all of a sudden people that were on the same level as them are now underneath their, their management. Have you coached folks in that realm before? And do you have any advice for them in that department? Yeah. First of all, I I acknowledge it's, it's a challenging place to be, especially your relationships are necessarily changing, Mm -hmm. right? So we can acknowledge again, that's just part of the game that is being played. And once we acknowledge that your relationships are changing, I I think it invites the question of, okay, so what do you want to do with them? And so so that's a place to really get curious. I, you know, an answer that I might have, this might not be your answer is, oh, I'm going to go have a conversation with all those people who were my, we were equal before. Um, and now I'm their manager. How do we want to have this relationship? How do they want to work with me? How can I best support them? Not that you have to say yes to all of the things, right? They might have some demands that you're a no to, but be open in the conversation. And what I find is that when we're open to other people's requests, it helps us to clarify what we're yes or no to. Mm-hmm. And it helps us to clarify 
what we stand for as a manager in this position. And so, you know, also probably important before having those conversations to say like, what are the values I want to have as a manager, right? This is an entirely new place. I, I don't have the right answers, but where do I want to come from? What, what commitments do I want to have? How, if I were going to have people talk about me, how would I want them to talk about me? How do I want them to see me? And, and those frames, once related to our what for, those frames and values and commitments, I believe help to answer a lot of the questions we have when we say, what should I do in this moment? We just look back to those and say, oh, if I was living this commitment, I would do this. And so it eliminates a lot of the sort of questioning in my experience. I think that's genius. I think a lot of people don't have those conversations. I think that's where things oh, yeah. fall off. The, it's like, oh my gosh, now I'm now I'm in charge of these people. Oh, and we just like shut down. I've I've seen that with multiple folks. And then of course I see what happens when they're feeling frustrated, not you know, enjoying the new place that they're in. And now we start to have anxiety and blood pressure goes up and things of that nature is what I tend to see on my end. So yeah, it's, sure. it's important. And, and, and it's never too late to have that conversation. If you're like two years in, you're like, oh my gosh, it feels like it's all broken. This is actually also the perfect time to have the conversation. Right. And, and part of leadership, I believe is being willing to say, oh, I messed up on this. Like, I, like I, I didn't see this until now. I don't have to take blame. There's nothing wrong and it had an impact. And so how do we, how do we move forward now? And so, you know, if you're listening and you're in that spot, again, it'll require courage and remember like right now is a great time too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think one of the things I of course always try to get across with folks is when there's anything that's, that's not going against how you feel going against, you know, your internal like dialogue or your internal direction, you're going to feel some type of health issue come up. And, and this is one of the things in which I always want folks to be like, okay, you know, is a coach going to be useful as someone like me or someone like you based on, you know, I think, I don't know, what's your opinion, Matt? Do you think that people like, I think people should have multiple coaches for health, for life, career, you know, <laughs> I find it yeah. interesting in my head about how th that looks out. But what's your thought process on that? The way my, I have a good friend who described this idea of like one coach to rule them all. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, in an ideal world, we have multiple levels of support, basically anywhere we have a place in life we're expanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so ask yourselves, uh, um, this, this place that I want to get to this new level of expansion in, in this area of life, what support do I need in order to get there? And so, yeah, like on the table is any number of coaches. And I, I have found that it can be confusing if we have different guidance and all over the place and not like yeah. one sort of clear place where like, this is kind of the final, you know, the one coach, this is kind of like the, this is the last place I go to make my decision. I think that's also important to have clarity on in similar to how a business would work, like one final person to have say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Cause I mean, sometimes you can, and, and yes, I know I just said health coach versus like health, like your health coach doctor kind of status thing or however you're going with it. I'm going to talk myself in a circle any way I say this, I, I can tell. <laughs> um, but but really, I have found when there's too many cooks in the kitchen, let's put it that way, when there's too many coaches, different opinions, different thought processes. So sometimes I would be like, okay, like you said, wherever you're wanting expansion and maybe finding folks that are are similar in terms of their theories and and processes kind of how you're addressing the whole body with coaching anyway. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I, so an example is at one point I had a, a coach for like holistic of my life, um, ontologically based if folks know what that means, but like how I am in relationship with the world. Uh, I was doing work with John Wineland in a group program for about 15 months. And that was like deep and intensive embodiment, but also leadership training work. And I also had a, a sort of somatic therapist where I was learning to unlock and open my voice. So she um, teaches um, singing and does somatic therapy work at the same time. Right. And all of them, there's a similar theme in those, which was, it was about opening, unlocking more sort of my physical space. Um, I, you and I haven't talked about this, but I have dealt with autoimmune uh, challenges since I was a teenager. And so I really feel the embodiment, the embodied aspect of stress and anxiety in the body. And so it's always been a thing that I've been really, really keen to work on. Nice. Nice. So do you mind sharing? Because I think a lot of people who are listening, let's face it, as we start getting older to women in particular, we start to have more autoimmune things going on. Do you mind sharing what you, you're working with and how it's helped you over time to embody yeah, yourself? Absolutely. Um, so I had uh, uveitis or iritis uh, for the first time when I was 16. I was tested and I have a genetic marker HLAB27, which predisposes me to a certain number of autoimmune disorders. Thankfully, I haven't had sort of the, uh, I'll say worst, the most extreme of those. Um, but I've had uh, iritis for a while. It was about every three years. And then increasingly it was like every nine months, six months, three months, sporadically popping up. I've had um, idiopathic sudden hearing loss. So I lo I've lost low frequency hearing in each ear separately. It's come back every time. Um, for all of these, my treatment has been prednisone uh, mm. oral or eye drops. Um, I've also had sort of floating inflammation in my joints, in my toes, my knees, in other spots that um, are just sort of mysteries to Western medicine. And in increasingly, and also thanks to some plant medicine, I've been able to, to really identify the origins of those, which in my journey work show that they came when I was in utero. And so I've like done some really old, deep trauma healing work, um, to see the source of those. And I, I, uh, related to this, I don't know if you've heard this, but recently I, I had uh, a friend shared that some autoimmune disorders start when I think it's sort of maternal cells, um, are, are somehow into an embryo in, in utero and it causes that sort of flare up. And so that, that feels like it may have been one of the sources for me. Definitely possible. Definitely possible. Thanks for sharing. Cause I think a lot of folks do wonder if what they're experiencing, you know, is, is something that they cause or something that's just genetic or something that, you know, happened in utero and there's, there's nothing they can necessarily do about what happened in utero, but there's lots of things you can do when it comes to stress management, keeping things at bay. And, and sounds like, you know, like when stress is ramping up, you've got to like put the body in check a little bit more. Yeah, it's been a really profound learning experience. And I'll, I'll share one of the, as being mm -hmm. a coach is that, and with autoimmune that I found is I am so in such a belief that I have the ability to shift my life and, and empower my life that I can often use that as a, as a weapon against myself, which is like, I should be able to get rid of my autoimmune stuff because I should know my body. Right. And so um, I'll share that in, in just like 
that that has been a story of mine is a challenging thing. And I, I don't think I'm alone in mm-hmm. sort of beating ourselves up for having autoimmune, even if we can say like, you know, this isn't my fault, it, that story can creep in. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent and holds you back from a lot of things mm-hmm. in life too, which is now where I'm going like, okay, guys, autoimmune folks, you've got someone who has experience gets it here. Someone you could hire as a coach. Now, I noticed on your website that you do have one-on-one coaching. You have different options for coaching with you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you offer for folks? Because of course we have the book, you know, this is yeah. coaching, which I think is like a little teaser into what what your your offerings are. So so give us a, a little rundown in terms of all the different offerings that you have for folks. Yeah, thanks. So my clients are generally split into sort of two categories. One is I work with other coaches. I know that's very meta, but I believe that it's it's actually paramount for us as coaches to have our own coach, mm-hmm. to be in our own growth and development, because if we're doing good work, our clients are challenging us on a regular basis because they're doing incredible things. So I love to support coaches. And um, that's the more, as we talk about the distinction between sort of advising, consulting, and coaching, I do a little bit more teaching in that for coaches because I really want every coach to be really masterful. And so um, that's about half my practice. Um, I have some openings for one-on-ones there. Um, the other half of my practice are folks that I say are crazy, impossible visionaries. So uh, you don't have to be having, you don't have to have a world-changing, impossible goal. Uh, you get to decide what impossible means to you. But if you have something that you're saying, this feels a bit tender to share, I feel a bit embarrassed to share. I'm not sure if it'll work. And I really think I need to bring it to the world. I I also work with those folks one-on-one. And the last thing that I'm developing as I launch the book now, um, this is actually the first place publicly I'm talking about it, will be called uh, a small group pilot I'm launching in in August. They'll be called The Coaching Game. And what it does is it takes all the principles of the book uh, deeper for coaches and it's, and it's exclusively for coaches, um, for them to apply to their own life and in their work with their clients. And so we'll, every month we'll go through a section of the book, we'll really dive into it. And then, um, there'll be exercises and projects for participants to work on, to apply them to their own life. I'm really excited, really nervous, no idea how it's going to mm-hmm. go. Um, but, uh, but really, yeah, I'm excited for the possibility of it. You don't know to try, right? You just That's don't right. know. That's awesome. So of course, you know, guys, I wanted you to hear a little bit about what Matt's up to. But of course, the book is another kind of launching spot to really get to know him, get to know what coaching really is, since the title kind of gives you the this is coaching concept. So let's talk to folks who right now that maybe they're like, maybe they are a coach, but they're like, should I, you know, I've thought about it, I should get another coach. We've all kind of heard that. Or we've got some folks who are like, maybe I could make a difference within my my work group, my pod, if you will, or maybe I can make a difference within my church. Maybe I can make a difference within whatever it may be. How could the book get them started in terms of launching points? Let's let's hear your thoughts there. This is both this is coaching is both a book I wish that I had when I was a young coach. As I said, I Googled it. I went a couple of years without (laughs) hiring a coach and did a lot of it solo. And I kept wondering, am I even coaching? What what, (laughs) am I doing the thing? And so this book is for young coaches who want that question answered. Uh, It's a very simple framework that you and I talked about. That is, I believe what growth and transformation is, which is where do I want to go? Where am I now? And what's in between? So for new coaches, 
I, I think it's a tool you can use. Um, yeah, to, to grow and develop and to go deeper in your work and to, sh- to have you understand this is what it means to be a coach because in the book are a lot of lessons about this is stuff that's really reliable to come up as you're supporting other people in their own growth for you and for them. And here are ways that you can stay supported so you can help them through it. And for anyone in the organization or church, um, again, I believe so much of growth is being willing to look at ourselves, accept where things are right now, and then continue to move forward. And and this book shows the ways in which we get hooked as we're supporting people and moving forward. So if you have an annoying coworker and you're like, I just don't understand them, they need to change. This book has some tools for you to be able to get on their side, maybe have some more understanding for them and to hopefully work with more empathy and compassion so you can actually be more successful in moving them along. Wow. That's I haven't heard that out of anybody. That's pretty good out of a coaching book. And, and, you know, let's face it, you know, we're, we're broken right now in turn, you know, and I don't want to say people are broken, but society systems are broken. The healthcare system's broken. We, you know, we need more folks to coach, to help, you know, lift people up. You don't have to be a formal coach. And I think that's also what I wanted to kind of say out of this podcast. I'm sure you agree that it's mm-hmm. it's not about taking money as coaching. It's just interpersonal relationships as a whole too. Yeah. If, if you are like me and sometimes your partner gets on your nerves, I read my book and I'm like, oh, that guy's smart. I should listen <laughs> to him. Uh, and, and then I go back and say, how do I get back into love with, with my partner? So I, I myself am returning to this thing very humbly to, uh, in any relationship in my life, Matt, thank you so much for coming on and talking all things, coaching, letting me drill you a little bit and sharing your story. (laughs) That's huge. I think a lot of people are going to resonate with that. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed this, um, jamming with you and your, your unwillingness to like be curious and to practice what you preach. So thanks. My pleasure. Hey, Health Junkies, are you feeling just off, feeling like you're aging a little bit faster than you want to and wondering what in the world is up? Hey, I might have some answers for you and some direction. If you want to chat with me, I am offering complimentary calls right now. You can head over to Dr. Spelled Out, J-K-R-A-U-S-E-N-D.com. Take my quiz, click on the schedule a chat, and let's talk and see if we can get you in the right direction. And if I'm able to help you, I'm going to let you know. Otherwise, I'm going to help you find what you're looking for. Head over to drjkrausnd.com and check it out now. Hey, fellow health junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.